Hello everybody and welcome back to the Glory Glory Podcast with me, Kyle Quinn and joining me again today is my regular co-host Chris Nugent. How's it going Chris? Not too bad Kyle, not too bad. Good to see you mate, good to see you. Uh, likewise, um, unfortunately United are not providing us with much entertainment at the moment. I have to say United were lucky to get away with a 1-1 draw yesterday. Um, I think it was James Madison had a goal disallowed. Okay, rightfully, but I mean... Leicester had the, the better of the chances yesterday. I think United were disgraceful, as I would put it. Um, there was a, a real lack of effort yesterday. was on show, and uh, not for the first time this season. Um, and it's just, I'm just obviously fed up now. Um, I've actually reached reached the point of apathy, really. Um, even when Fred scored, it didn't even celebrate that much. Um, I just, I'm really just bored. I was bored yesterday, to be honest. It bored me to tears the the, the whole game. Um, Gary Naval described it as like a soccer raid. Um, it was like yeah, it was like a testimonial. It was absolutely rubbish. Um, and you wouldn't think that it was a game that was crucial to us getting to the top four. The players clearly, at least some of the players I know, just don't even care if we get into the top four. And, and yeah, there's players there who are leaving in the summer. So what what does it matter to them if we get into the top four or not? Yet there, some of them are still being picked. Um. I really didn't understand the the use of Pogba and Fernandez up front again. Um, that was he used that against City and failed miserably. Okay, Ronaldo wasn't available on the day, and Rashford's so out of form. But you have to play a striker. You have to have a vocal point. Um, yeah. So a real lack of effort from the players. Um, it was a a really really dull affair. And, and the manager got it wrong as well. So another horrendous afternoon. It was pretty poor. I think you, you summed it up well there. To be honest, Kyle, I'm getting to the point similar to yourself. I don't really have any expectations now of games. You know, we talked about it before, you know, back in the, the good old days, not the heart back about the good, the, the good Fergie days, but, you know, right until the end of a game, you always thought we're in it. You know, and you never really wanted to turn the, the TV off, even if it was like, 2-0 down, you might well, I might scrape a draw here, you know, the last five minutes, you know, you never know what can happen in football, but nowadays, you know, you just feel like it's like watching paint dry. You know, there was there was a couple of times in the second half, we got there with 70 minutes, I actually thought, you know what, I, I wouldn't even be annoyed if I just turned this off. I wouldn't don't think I would really miss very much. And I watched the last 20 minutes and I didn't miss much. I probably could have turned it off and, you know, wouldn't I wouldn't have felt like mm, I really missed out. Just, it was an awful performance. I mean, We've said it so many times. It's the same stuff that was said over and over. I know, you know, you can talk all day about tactics, and yeah, I agree with you. You know, Rangnick maybe didn't. The tactics weren't great, but then again, you know, he probably didn't plan for that. And then Ronaldo got sick. I think it was, uh, I think it was potential COVID by the signs of us. What they're talking about, you know, respiratory stuff. I think that's what I heard, <clears throat> and they couldn't take any chances. So I think he was maybe caught out a wee bit in that sense. But again, it was the same stuff yesterday that I, I still cannot understand this slow play. Gary Neville mentioned it. I just can't get my head around it. Like I, flip sake, even me as an as an amateur footballer, you know, you 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 just, you know, even at the bottom basic level of football, you just know that in order to beat teams, you have to be put the effort in. You have to move the ball quickly. You have to when it comes to you, you have to get you want the ball into your feet, not behind you. It's all those wee basic things. Those are the things we do wrong. The ball is always behind the man. You, you have a breakaway and you think, oh, we're on here. And then somebody plays a poor pass. And you're going, what? The, these guys are top-level footballers. These are the basic things and they can't seem to get them right. And I just I just can't understand it. I really can't. I, I don't even know what, what it is now. You're like, what, what the reason is for it? I just can't understand it. It's really hard to watch. Yeah, they want far too many touches. Don't move the ball quickly enough. Um, I mean, that team does not resemble Ralph Rangnick at all. Remember, we back in December, we were all talking about the gag impression. We haven't seen hardly any of that. Um, they just seem to go out there and do their own thing, don't they? Absolutely, yeah, that's exactly it. And that's the thing is why I'm loath to blame the manager because I feel like even if the manager told him, this is what I want you to do, this is the system, do this and you'll win, they're not even going to do it anyway. You know, because we're watching the same thing now we've seen all season. And, you know, Solskjaer was sacked because of this this type of play but but there's nothing's changed so what does that tell you that you know what does that tell you it tells me that it was the players that were driving the way they were playing not the manager 
and because it hasn't changed one bit. New manager, new regime, same old play, same old style, same old lack of pressing, same old slow play, same old sloppiness. So it's not down to the manager. I doubt the manager tells him, go and go and take four touches, lads, and take your time. I'm sure he doesn't. That's not his style. He's saying, I want fast, I want sharp, I want crisp, I want it to look good, I want you to, to, to be ruthless. And they're not doing it. So, yeah, uh, it's, to me, it's, it's, it's the players, and I don't really know what it is, if it's attitude, if it, it's, it can't be lack of quality. I mean, even even near the end of the game yesterday, Jaden Sancho at one point got the ball caught between his feet when he was on a run. And Jaden Sancho was a good player. So I'm going, what is going on? Even our good players, great with at the ball with their feet, are getting it caught up between their legs. And oh, it's just awful to watch. It's just terrible. It's so bad. Yeah, I think, uh, unfortunately, Jaden Sancho had a, a stinker um, summed up by that opportunity that he had at, at the back post and he, he he volleyed it into the turf and and, and wide with the post it was it was a pretty terrible effort and, and, and really summed up I mean if he's not going to be playing well and he, he's been one of our better players lately then it uh, we really are in, in trouble um you've got to say and on the other side of the trouble we were in yesterday was the fact that I think Harry Maguire was our best player on, on the day and that's Pretty embarrassing, Sorry, isn't it? Kyle, I'm getting a wee bit of interference there. I thought you said something about Harry Maguire. Was <laughs> did I hear it? <laughs> Sorry, what did you, what, did you say that? <laughs> you no, know, but, you, but you're, you're actually right. Maguire was solid. Even Varane a couple of times, I was cringing. He was doing the same. They playing the ball behind people. I'm going, oh, what is he doing? These guys are great footballers. What are they at? So you're right. Maguire actually had a pretty good game. For me, Maguire and De Gea were probably our two standout performers. De Gea did, as usual, stands up, does nothing wrong, pulling the ball out of mid-air when it should be goals. And yeah, I just I don't know what more can be said, really. Yeah. I can't remember who had the header for Leicester. It was going to nestle right into the four corner and De Gea had absolutely no right to, to tip it around the post, but he, he did it again. That was the one. He just got his finger. He just got his right hand, got the fingers to it. He's just, yeah, he's brilliant. You know, he's on, I was reading today about... Um, stuff about uh, wages and the wage structure and who's on what, and, you know, and uh, Tommy Fernandez's new deal. And, and I think De Gea's on the most money. And in fairness, at least he deserves it. <laughs> you know, he deserves his money. And I argue Ronaldo does too, I suppose. But uh, De Gea certainly deserves his money. Yeah, not saying everybody does, unfortunately, but De Gea definitely does. No, they definitely don't. I mean, what I was saying yesterday was that they shouldn't be paid for that performance. I mean, if, if you were paid based on your performance you know the, not many players a season would, would would have been paid that much since august to be honest <laughs> it's, it's it's pretty terrible if it was a commission-based system they'd all be they'd all be they'd all be sell, selling off their medals and stuff to, to pay for their mortgage because uh, they wouldn't be getting paid very much that's for sure yeah and uh, something i want to come on to is the fact that shaw and pogba were selected yesterday which they didn't agree with based on their the interviews that they did well away in international duty of course luke shaw said that he, he felt wanted playing for england and he doesn't it was also indicates that he doesn't feel wanted at man united um because tellers had been playing ahead of him and then all of a sudden he does that interview and he goes back into the team um, and then paul pogba basically said our season is dead and it is dead to him because he's got nothing to play for anymore because United can't win a trophy. He's not going to be here next season. So we knew what, what type of effort we we're going to get from him yesterday. So he should not have been on the pitch. Yeah, I agree. The, I guess the problem for Ranić is who does he replace him with? I mean, I mean, at times I look at the team and I just think, if you're the manager, you put yourself in the manager's shoes, you know, who are you going to pick? You're picking the people that are your best players. In terms of ability, the guys that have on paper the, the best chance of winning you the game, but then you must be looking at them and going, I, I hope they turn up today. I'm not sure if they will, maybe they will, maybe they won't, but but hopefully today will be the day. And you're trying to motivate them, and you're going, I'm hoping what I've said is enough, and hoping what we talked about in training is enough. And I hope, but you probably just know that when they go on the pitch, it's up to them whether they decide to turn up today or not. And some days they'll turn up and they'll be brilliant, and then other days they'll just not really turn up. I just, yeah, I just scratch my head. You know, because like I say, you, you would say, all right, you take Paul Pub out. You know, who do you put in there? You know, realistically, who who do you put in? Well, let me just come in there. When Maddox came on for Pogba in the second half, and I have to say, from an attacking point of view, Maddox actually offered more than what Pogba did. And Maddox is a defensive midfielder. So that really summed up how bad you know, Pogba really was yesterday. A hundred percent agree, Kyle. And in a way, you're, you're, you're making exactly the point that I made in a sense of, you look at the two of them and you go on paper, who do you pick? 
and you go, well, it has to be Pogba. But that's the problem. You go, I don't know if it's gonna if Pogba is gonna be better today than what Maddie would be o- on his day. It should be Pogba, but then you're going, will today be his day? I don't know. And then today turned out yesterday wasn't his day. And this is the problem the manager has. He doesn't know what what you know what Paul Pogba and same as other is going to show up. <laughs> it's 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 an awful situation. It really is. Yeah, they really were terrible yesterday in the middle of the park. Um, uh, uh, did you notice uh, Scott McTominay just kicking the ball straight into touch? I think Varane was guilty of it as well. It was just so disjointed. I mean, it was just like watching an amateur league team at times. That's the, that's the word, Kyle. Disjointed, I think, is, is exactly the word. That's what I mean by playing the ball behind people and stuff. It's like you're not reading where the man's running. You're not saying he's his feet are going to be here or play it in front of him. You know, it's exactly right. Good man, Niall. It's, that's exactly it you know it's just going to be like um, it's just disjointed you know somebody's making a run to the right then the defender or the, or the attacker plays it to the left you go for flip's sake you know get in tune lads you know what I mean read read the run you know the man who's making the run read where it's going read where the player's going to play it you know it's just so yeah disjointed that's that's the word it's, it's awful it's just awful yeah, I, I know it's a cliche, but they really are a team of individuals. They absolutely, they're, they're absolutely typical of that. I mean, there's there's no other team in world football who epitomizes that than than, than Man United. Completely, and and to me, the thing is, you know, you talk, you can talk about a team of individuals in the sense of, yeah, you know, they're disjointed. But to me, it, it's nearly worse than that because you know you can have a team of individuals, you know, again coming back to amateur football, you know, people who have been thrown together. Can at least when in the, within a few minutes find out what their 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 the guy next to them strength is. Oh, he's left footed or he's right footed. He look, he's good in the air or he's not. And they try to play to their strengths. You know they at least pick up on what's going to work here. But those those guys at times seem so individualistic that don't even care what their, their the other guy's strengths is. It's nearly like I don't care where you, where you want me to play the ball. This is where I think you should run. So I'm going to play it there anyway. And if you don't get it, that's up to you. It's almost like. A disharmony, do you know what I mean? It's worse than individualism. It's almost like a disharmony, and that's that's what concerns me. Yeah, I was listening to a bit of uh, Tony Cascarino yesterday uh, today on uh, Talksport, and what he was saying was when when he was a player and a, a new manager came in, he knew what his role was uh, by the second game, um, because if he wasn't doing what the manager was asking, he would get a talent off, and you know by the third game. Um, he was 100% sure what his role was. So what the point he's making is that these United players uh, sure, surely have been told by the coach what the role is, what is expected of them, what tactics they have to carry out. So you're looking at it and you're thinking, it must be disobedience, like you say. Yeah, it, 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 it seems like it. You know, it seems to me, like I said, you know, if they're playing exactly the same way they did under Solskjaer, I can't believe that, that, that Ranić would turn around and say, oh, I like the way you're playing their social lads, keep it up. There's no way he's done that. But that's how they're playing, which means that they're not doing what they're being told. And as you rightly say, you know, I find it very hard to believe that guys of that quality are just not understanding what they're meant to be doing. I just cannot believe that at all, which means that they must be actively just not doing what they're told for one reason or another. But, you know, not to get into the deep conversation, Kyle, but we all know, you know, that the culture at Manchester United festers this type of disobedience you know or fosters this type of disobedience you know it has done for years we've we've talked about till the cows come home we don't need to keep repeating but you know whenever you're going above managers heads and giving players contracts and renewing deals for players who are out of out of form and not being picked the players the message the players get is doesn't matter what the manager says i keep doing what i'm doing because the guys who run the club are rewarding me so clearly they think i'm doing okay so i'll just keep at it and I'll just ignore what the manager tells me if it's not what I want to hear. And that's that's where we're at. And that, that's got to change. Otherwise, no manager can be successful under that. Because a manager is going to be successful if the players do what he tells them to do. But if he, they, he says one thing and they do something else, then he may as well just not be there. So what's the point? You know. So, yeah, it's, it's concerning. Very concerning. Yeah, it's been mentioned by plenty of fans and pundits that Ruff Rannick is basically in an impossible position because... He's um. Everybody knows he's a he's a temp, he's a temporary manager. Um, I think even some of the players may have alluded to that in interviews. Um, that you know they know he's not going to be there next season, and you know it, it, they're not they're not trying to impress him. So I think it might have been a bad idea to 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 appoint an interim coach. They should have been appointing a, 
a permanent manager. I know that, that, that the, the, the men that they wanted were not available back in November, but yeah, it's just a complete shit show, isn't it? It's awful, and, and you're right, and I've thought about that too, and I think you're right, you know, the guys they wanted weren't available. But what is it that, you know, Roy Keane keeps alluding to it, and Roy Keane knows more, you know, about the inner workings of a football club than either you or I do, and he knows a heck of a lot more about specifically Man United. And he always, you know, he keeps saying, just go and get the manager you want. He keeps saying, and, he, and even when people say, oh, the manager they wanted wasn't available, and he goes, look, if the manager wants to come and you make him a good enough offer and you make this club a good enough offer, you're getting them. And Man United have the, the resources to do that. So just go and get them. And that's what he keeps saying. In other words, this story of, oh, the guy's not available, that means they're not willing to meet the demands to make him available, even though they've got the resource. And that, to me, is what I read when Keane says, just go and get him. That's what he means is, I'm not, that's not an excuse. They're able to get him if they want them. They just don't want them enough that they're going to break the bank to get them. And they should be, but, but they won't do it. Because, again comes back to the usual story you know not that i agree with him but van hal said the other day my united are a commercial club not a football club we all know it. we've all been saying it and that and i think that to me for me that's kind of what Keane alludes to when he when he says go and get him in other words just break the bank do what you gotta do if you want him bad enough you can get him so yeah yeah, yeah, you're hundred percent right there. So, the interim thing hasn't worked. Um, we're we're now basically in a situation where we just want the season to end. I mean, we know we're not going to finish fourth because Arsenal uh, are a team. They 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 play with a cohesive plan. Uh, they follow out the manager's instructions to the letter. Um, they're all they're having fun playing football. We as we as a team are a total antithesis of that. Um, so I don't see any other result than Arsenal finishing fourth. In fact, we're down in seventh now, and I wouldn't be surprised if we, if we finish seventh or eighth. Um, and it might be better to finish eighth, so we're not in one of those, you know, the, the B level tournament or the C level tournament. It's better just to be out of Europe altogether, to be honest. Um, because it's just it's just appalling. And every one one what I was going to say is that every game between now and the end of the season is basically meaningless now because we know we're not going to finish fourth. We haven't won three games in a row all season, and we have to do that if we're going to have any chance of finishing fourth. And the first game back up the national break, it's another draw, which should have been a defeat. So the idea of us winning three games in a row is just fanciful, really, and it's not going to happen. So every game to now in the end of the season is meaningless, and every fan I listen to now just says they want the season to end as, as quickly as possible. So it's a really horrible situation to be in as a supporter, isn't it? Yeah, it's dreadful. Like I say, you know, you're just waiting now. Everybody's, you know, reading the news with bated breath, saying, oh, who's the next manager going to be? And you you just want to, you nearly just want this season to end and that decision to be made tomorrow and the new guy to come in and let's just start afresh and see where it goes. Um, yeah, you know, you just feel like a, we're, we're playing for nothing. Mathematically, we're not playing for nothing, but we're playing so poorly. Like you said, Kyle, it feels like we're playing for nothing. You know, you don't see the effort in the players. You don't see them trying to get us into that fourth spot. So you feel like we're not going to finish fourth. And like you said, um, you'd nearly rather just be out of Europe altogether. I mean, if, of course, that's um, the, the money. People won't want that because they want some level of European exposure. But um, yeah, for fans, you just think, ah, what's the point? Yeah, yeah um, we, we don't really want to be in uh, the, those competitions. You know, I mean, I mean, Thursday night football is just soulless, really. Yeah, it's just it doesn't really you don't get up for those games the way you do the Champions League nights at Old Trafford um, you could probably argue there's no point in being in the Champions League because there's no chance of winning it but uh, yeah I, I think I would be of the opinion that I'd rather finish outside of the European spots if we're not going to finish fourth but, and, and we're well capable of finishing eighth in the table because we really are that bad um, so I'm going to come on to the player ratings now but before I do that please everybody subscribe to the channel if you're new here and give us a wee like on the video and, and comment your thoughts down below. So I, I'll uh, read out my player numbers and then you kind of tell me if you disagree with any of these. So David De Gea uh, probably gets an 8 for me. Uh, Dolo a 5. Uh, Maguire a 6. Uh, Varane 5. Shaw a 4. Um, McTominay a 3. Uh, Fred, I'll, I'll go with a 7 because he scored. Um, Pogba would be a three. Uh, Sancho, I'm afraid, would be a four as well. Elanga, probably a five. He had one direct run. Elanga, he took on, uh, uh, two, took a past two players and then he was fouled. Um, I would like to see him do more of that. 
Uh, Bruno Fernandes would probably be uh, a five. Um, uh, he just wasn't playing in the, in the correct role, just like Pogba. But then um, his his effort led to a scoring a goal. And, but he had another opportunity, Fernandes, where he's one-on-one with a keeper and it was a really team effort. I think Schmeichel saved it with his foot. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's just not a number nine and shouldn't be playing in that position. Um, so Ranić probably pl- playing with a false nine with Ronaldo missing. Um, the decision to select Pogba and, and Shaw uh, after their their interviews in national break, I don't think was a good decision either. Um, and it was just a really appalling performance. And he had he has to take so, at least some of the blame for not getting the players up for that you know crucial you know, encounter for 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 fourth spot. So I'll definitely give him a three as well. So any disagreements? Not really, no, no, not really. I think um, I think we talked about Ranić there earlier on, and yeah, maybe I wouldn't be quite as harsh on Ranić, but um, but bar that, no, it's hard to disagree. I think um, yeah, the players that you thought played well, so to speak, or better than the rest, you know, so De Gea, Maguire, um, and uh, oh, I can't even remember who else you said now. Fred. Yeah, Fred. Yeah, yeah, Fred. I thought I thought they probably were the guys who played best. Um, yeah, Sancho unfortunately didn't have a good game. Um, at times he looked good, but he generally, generally um, wasn't quite himself, and everybody else was just flat. And McTominay pro- arguably should have been sent off. I don't think if he had been sent off, I would have. I don't think I would have said, "Oh, that definitely wasn't a red." I mean, the studs are up. Um, he's not 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 knee high, like, but you know, high enough to catch the guy um, on the on the on the shin. So, yeah, yeah, hard to argue those kind. Um, let's say it was a really awful performance from start to finish. A couple of people played well, and bar that, everybody else was was pretty poor so yeah i think it was quite fair i think the the mctominay challenge whatever the the on-field referee gave there i think the VAR was just going to agree with him is it's probably one of those challenges that it's not quite a red but it's not it's more than a yellow and uh, so whatever decision andre marner made i think the VAR was just going to go with it and um, had marner sent him off i don't think it would have been overturned either no, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. I think I think, and sometimes in that situation, you just probably want to, you know, err on the side if you're not sure it's a red, or on the side of giving them another chance and saying, "Look, you're really on the line here, but I'm going to give you another chance," kind of thing. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think if it had been a red, nobody would have said that's not a red. They would have said, mm, "Probably is a red." But yeah, I think you're right. It's kind of a more than a yellow and slightly less than a than a straight red. So probably probably the right decision. Yeah. And he was dreadful yesterday, which is unfortunate because he's a player that you can never accuse him of, of a lack of effort. Um, but he's just he just doesn't have the quality on the ball to be a Manchester United midfielder. Or harken back to the past again, I'm afraid. But when you go back to like say Keane and Scholes and Brian Robson, and he's just nowhere nowhere near that level. I mean, I mean, I would say Man United's midfield must be. In terms of the ranking, the mid, the twenty midfielders in the Premier League, United must be somewhere in the bottom half. To be honest, yeah, they're not far off it. No, and and you're saying about harking back the past. You know, it, it, it's so annoying. I feel like we United fans do it all the time, and people nearly accuse us of living in the past. But the problem is, we're so poor. Yeah, when you're trying to compare to what you think is is good, yeah, they start comparing to other clubs because. But I hate doing that. You know, you don't want to compare just the other teams. You know, you'd rather, you know, talk about your own club. So you either compare to other teams who are good, um, or you or you compare to when we used to be good. So, you know, it's unfortunate that we're in that position where you either compare to when we were good in the past, or you compare to other teams. And I don't like really doing either. Um, but yeah, you're right, Kyle. Things are so bad that <laughs> it's hard not to talk about when things used to be good. We're just yeah, what we have now is not that level. But but this is the thing again. Quality, I, I can understand lack of quality. You know, you don't expect every player on a football pitch to be to be unbelievable. And it's and a team can be more than the sum of its parts. You know, lot, some of the best clubs in the world, the best teams in the world, are teams of not A-list individuals, but the, collectively they become an, an amazing unit. And that's the thing. I, I You know, I don't even mind some players who are slightly, you know, maybe not as brilliant as some of what we had. If they if they were able to play well together and they were able to play for each other, but that's that they're not doing that, and that's that to me is the is much the much the bigger thing to you know to be annoyed about or, or concerned about. And in the past, when we equalised yesterday, three minutes after Leicester scored, under Fergie, you've been saying United are going to get a winner here. They're going to throw the kitchen sink at Leicester here. 
Um, they're going to keep knocking on the door uh, until they knock it down and it'll go 2 1 to United. But I just turned to the people beside me and said, I don't believe that's going to happen here. In fact, I think the momentum will still keep going with Leicester and they'll probably get a winner, which we thought they had until it was ruled out for a foul on Varane. You just don't believe in this United team anymore. It's it's no longer the United team where we say we always score or we always play to the end. We don't see that anymore. They just they don't have that kind of heart about them. And it's just it's it's so disheartening to, to, to watch it on a weekly basis. Yeah, it's exactly. It's it's just that lack of spirit. You know, it's like whenever whenever um whenever uh, Leicester got the uh, got the second goal that, that was disallowed, I actually thought if this if this if this is allowed, we're probably just going to give up. I got that feeling. It was almost like maybe and maybe that's because of what happened at City, you know, against City. Maybe I thought we're we're going to go to pieces here, and then it was almost like oh well, okay, well it's not a goal, so we can't go to pieces. But it was almost like you know there was no. Like you said, there was no like massive lift that said, you know, okay, I think there was maybe a wee bit of a lift, maybe I'm being totally a bit on further. But still, you know, you, you still didn't feel like you said, Kyle, like this is the impetus now. We're gonna go on, we can go and win this game. You know, we've got we've got the rub of the green, let's go and take advantage. You know, you just you didn't feel that. You don't feel like, as you say, they had the heart to go and to go and take the game by the scruff, which is yeah, which which is again is the harder thing to watch. You know, the lack of quality, you can forgive. But not having that heart to want to go and win the game and give every ounce of sweat and you know blood and tears is that's that's what is hard to watch. Yeah, yeah, they're not strong mentally and they just don't care enough. Um, get their wages far too easily. And I mean, we we see Manchester City and Liverpool. They 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 have a team of superstars. They're very well paid, but they've got the culture of the clubs are very very different. You know, I. The football is the number one priority for a start, and they've got the, the two best coaches in the world, and they're so well drilled. And it's a, again, like like I said earlier, it's the total opposite to what we see at Old Trafford. And um, you know, it's it's very very depressing that year in year out, the the title race is between our two biggest rivals, and, and we're nowhere to be seen. Yeah, and that, and that that's what I mean by I hate talking about other clubs because you know if you're going to compare other Premier League teams, they're the two clubs you you compare to, unfortunately. There are two biggest rivals, and I hate giving them any inch. Let's be honest, you know, to say oh, look how great they are, but they are great. That's why they're they're competing to win titles and they're winning Champions Leagues and they're they're doing all sorts of stuff. Why we're la- languishing in in seventh place, you know what I mean? And saying oh, we're probably not even going to finish in the top four. I mean, for a Man United team, you know, with all the resource that we have, to be saying we're not even going to finish in the top four. I mean, that is absolutely horrendous. But like you said, Kyle, it's a very simple thing. Whenever you prioritise, you know, money and commercial things, and you don't prioritise football, and you don't use your wealth and your resource to improve what happens on the pitch, well, then you get the results that you, you know, the old the old saying, you know, you get out what you put in. You don't put anything in the football side, you don't get anything out. You put everything into the commercial side, you get plenty of, of profit and, and whatever out there, and that's what's happening. You know, it's it's a pretty simple equation. You know, and we're we're on the wrong side of it. You know, from a fan's perspective. Yeah, I mean, to spend over a billion on a football team in in eight years, and you have to say it's harder to feel, and they've managed it. You know, it's been one big whopping failure, um, from right from two thousand thirteen onwards. As soon as um, Fergie left and they decided they were going to make all the decisions, basically the 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 manager was just going to be a coach and they were going to take control of all, all the club decisions. And it, it's got to, and that's been the, the worst decision of the lot. Um, and Adwood is gone now, but not sure what difference that is going to make. Um, there are early signs of hope with uh, Richard Arnold. The fact that we've been hearing from the press that the interview process for the next manager is being conducted by Dorn Fletcher and John Murta. That you know, uh, Richard Arnold's not directly involving himself in in this in these interviews. Edward Edward would have done that in the past, and um, so it shows that his, his promise that he was making that things are going to change and he's going to learn from Edward Edward's mistakes. It seems that at the moment that that he's he's fulfilling you know that promise, um, and that's like. It's a very, very slight positive, but it's a it's a positive nonetheless. 
you're literally, we're literally trying to grasp at any little little positive that we can and you know and maximize it. And I don't blame you. I don't blame you because we need some. We need some hope. You know, fans need some kind of hope. You know, you can't just believe that it's never going to improve. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's hope that that that, that makes some difference. Um, I, I just don't know. I mean, I just want to see this season really over now and just see who we get next. But I mean, I keep saying what I've been saying every time I'm on this, I'm on the podcast with you, Kyle, or every time I'm on here, is that I just, I just want to see us pick a manager with a style, no matter what that style is, somebody who's been at least a bit successful with a style, don't care what the style is, possession football, heavy metal attacking football, I don't really mind. Just something that works for somebody and just say, let's commit to that. Let's build our academy around that approach. Let's buy players that fit with that approach naturally rather than, you know, trying to fit all these square pegs into round holes. Let, let's just have a long-term plan. We'll give the guy three or four years. We'll buy every, when he says he, he wants a player, this specific player, because they fit his system. Forget about whether they're a big name or not. Get them in. Give the guy what he needs. Give him the chance. And, you know, if he's a bit of pedigree, you know, like Ten Hag, he's done well at another club, you have to believe with the right resource he can do well at Man United. Let's just stick with it. Let's just ride out the odd, the few bumps there's going to be. Let's get rid of guys on massive contracts. If they're not his player, let's find a way to move them on. Man United can afford it. You know, it's not like they you know, they need every penny. They can afford to take the odd hit on, an, on a player. Um, and let's just let's start prioritising football a wee bit. I mean, it's bound to pay off in the long run financially as well. So it seems to me like a win-win. Um, but, you know, yeah, that's what I want to see. And, yeah, I hope it happens. I really hope it does. United really need to announce that manager this week because, you know, the place is in need, in need of a massive lift, not just the inside the club, but the, the fans as well. Um, you know, we need, we, need, we need to have good news from somewhere. We need to... Give us something that that help us look forward to to the future because right now it feels as if you know everything's going wrong and there's nothing to look forward to. But if they can, if if Ten Hag is announced this week, then it'll give the everyone I know a massive boost. Um, and maybe finishing uh, outside of the Champions League uh, might be suitable in terms of recruitment. And I'll tell you why, um, because. Rather than us chasing really expensive signings and um, big names, marquee signings, which hasn't really worked out for the most part, um, what what we might see is because a lot of players who who big names that potentially could come to Old Trafford um, won't fancy it because of the lack of Champions League football, and you know we'll have to overpay them in wages to get them to come, and that's 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 always a really bad strategy. Um, so what we might see. If we're in in like one of the the B level competitions or, or not Europe at all, is that we, we might end up signing players like you know from Ajax and the Ten Hag wants to bring with them or or other unknown players in Europe uh, that 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 the Ten Hag is a fan of, and they might I think they might turn out to be you know, better signings and bringing in big egos on on big money and big wages. It's just a theory, but um, I I think you know the the. The recruitment policy is also going to change if we're outside of the Champions League, and and I think that potentially that could work out better. I think it's logical, Kyle. I think I think you make a really good point. To be honest, I mean, I, I can see, I can definitely see the logic in that. I mean, you know, if you were to put the finger on kind of one word that describes our our problems now, you would say it's kind of lack of hunger. Hunger is the word, and there's nothing hungrier than a young player who hasn't made it yet, so to speak. You know, and is absolutely busting his guts to become a big name. You know, who is want who is on his way up on you know on that upward trajectory, and they want to become you know a top class player. And you know, give give me one of you know one of those over two big name stars who decide to play when they feel like it all day long. Do you know what I mean? So no, I think I think you make a fair point. You know, it could turn out that if we don't, as you say, get Champions League football, that actually by default without kind of in a roundabout way without meaning to we might end up with the type of player uh you know at least attitude wise that that, that we want um yeah no I, th- I think i think it makes good sense i mean there's no two ways that that that, that is um that's the type of player in my opinion that, that we need to bring more off uh you know these hungry 
kind of uh, not necessarily young, but you know, hungry players who want who want to want to do something and want to make a name for themselves. Yeah, and like you say, he has to be allowed to get rid of players that he doesn't want in his squad, even if that's going to, you know, cost the club money. Because if you look over at Arsenal, Arteta has been able to 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 get rid of Ozil and Bangyang and you know, Double Oes and people like that. So, and probably at a, a at a cost to Arsenal. Uh, so, if if for example Ten Hag says I don't want Maguire here, I don't I don't want I don't want um, Luke Shaw, I don't want even Ronaldo or De Gea. You no, know, even if we might not, might not agree with that as fans, but if that's what he wants, then you know the club have to to, to carry that out. Um, Kyle, if you just look, sorry to interject there. If you if you look at the prime example of when Pep Guardiola went into Man City. And he, he got rid of Joe Hart, and nobody nobody would would have predicted that. Nobody would have said, "Who are you going to get rid of first? Oh, Joe Hart, he's underperforming. No, we, we want rid of him. I think he was the captain. Everybody loved him. He was Mister Man City. But as soon as Guardiola went, not for me. Out he went, and that's just what you're saying there. Absolutely right. Doesn't matter who they are, how loved they are, what their status is. If they're not going to fit his style of play, they can go. And that's that's what a manager needs to be allowed to do. Sorry to interject. I to- totally totally agree with you. And if there's there's players there that he says don't are not part of his plans, and we're not able to sell them in, in the immediate term, they just have to sit on the sidelines. You will all remember what Mourinho did to Schweinsteiger. He told him you're not part of my plans, and he basically had to go and train with the under twenty threes. If that's what we have to do with a big name player that Ten Hag doesn't want, then so be it. That's that's football. I mean, at the end of the day, it has to be about winning football matches. And, you know, a manager has to give himself and, and the club the best chance to win football matches. And if that means that certain players, as good as they can be, you know, gain not to hurt back the past. But we all remember Juan Verón, an absolutely unbelievable footballer. And Ferguson himself admitted he, he felt sorry. He realised he shouldn't have bought him. Not because he wasn't a good player, but he didn't fit the system. And he didn't know where to put him. Well, that's, that's the type of player that you just have to say, you're an unbelievable player, son. But you're not fitting into my system, unfortunately. It's not your fault. But that, you know, we're gonna to have to find you another club, and they just have to sit on the bench and say they don't fit in. And you know, that's that's football. You have to a manager paid at a big club to make those big decisions. They're difficult decisions. They don't like making them. You don't want to. Nobody wants to. You know, to, to disrespect a, a guy who's who's had a great career. But sometimes you have to make these decisions, and that's that's why they get paid massive, massive wages to do that. So, yep, if that's what has to happen, then that's what has to happen. Oh yeah, and by the way, I've been watching and reading analysis of Tin Hag's philosophy. I know it's apparently it's a similar to the likes of Johan Cruyff and, and Guardiola himself. Um, on the wingers, you know, hugging the, getting right on the the, the touchline. So, and then um, the goalkeeper plays it out from the back, and there's been a suggestion that there's there's the guy that I was watching the, the analysis of on YouTube was saying that this is just his opinion that you know he doesn't think Fred and McTominay will fit in, he doesn't think Maguire will fit in, um, and he even said he doesn't think the gay would fit it will, will fit in with the Ten Hag philosophy. That's quite interesting, and it would it'd be extremely unfortunate if um, you know, the gay was a, was a victim um, of the new manager coming in. Um, because we all love him as fans, and yeah, you know, because he's given us great service uh, over the last you know, 10, 11 years. But um, if the if it, it will be one to watch now, if, if see see if uh, uh, the 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 Spanish manager um, uh, Luis Enrique or yeah, if he came in, the guy would be history because he doesn't even select him in his squad for Spain. So because because of his lack of ability on the ball. And, and Ten Hag likes to have a, key, a goalkeeper who's good with his feet too. So that'll, that'll be one to watch now if Ten Hag does come in. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Yeah, and actually, funny, there was I think it was in the game uh, yesterday. There was a ball or two. It might have just been one ball that the head played was a bit subpar, and it actually did cross my mind. I thought, oh, Guardiola or somebody w- w- wouldn't be too keen on that. Um, and it, yeah, and I thought exactly what you said there. So I mean, you know, again. You know, a team has to be more than the sum of its parts. You know, you know, you may have the best arguably the best shot stopper in the world you know probably has been over his career the best shot stopper there's been for years yeah all right fans outside my united might not agree but you know the, the guy's incredible at you know pulling 
you know, did last ditch saves. But if if a manager decides that his whole philosophy is going to be possession based and the ball is going to be played out from uh, from the keeper, and if he thinks that the head is not good enough his feet to do that, then so be it. You know, the system is more important than any one player. Same as the club is always bigger than any one player. And we may love players, game, not to hurt back to Fergie, but Fergie wasn't afraid to get rid of Beckham and Stam and any other player he thought was upset in the system, whether it was for, for personality reasons or ability reasons, he wasn't afraid to get rid of them because the club and the, the overall picture is always more important than any one single person. Um, so, yep, again, I agree with you, Kyle. If, if our favourite players have to go because they don't fit the system, well, then that's that's the way it goes. You know, the, the club and everything else, is the bigger picture is more important than any one person. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be one to watch. Um, it could be a, an unlikely lifeline for Mr. Henderson. Um, we were all, we've all been sitting here all season thinking he's history. Um, De Gea has re-established himself as number one. And De, Henderson's hardly played any football. He's clearly wanted a loan move in January, which didn't happen. So everyone was expecting him to be sold in the summer. But, you know, uh, a manager could come in who's who... who has different priorities when it comes to goalkeepers. You know, wants them to have a different skill set than, than than what Ranić wants his keeper to have. So we could see a situation where Henderson could be reinstalled as number one. Okay, he might buy someone uh, instead. Um, but uh, I'm not sure Henderson is absolutely f- like fantastic with his feet the way, say, Malian Noor is or Allison or Ederson. Um, but I think he's better with his feet than um, than De Gea. So. Would be unfortunate to 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 lose to Gay, but um, if that's what the manager wants, like I say, no, that those that has to be carried out. Yeah, no, again, totally agree. Yep, I, I haven't watched, I haven't seen enough of Henderson, if I'm honest, Kyle. For the simple reason that you know, I don't um, I don't watch massive amounts of uh, of other teams play all the time, you know. Um, so I didn't watch him when, massively when he was on loan, and obviously hasn't played a lot of games for, for Man United. Um, so I can't comment exactly on his ability with his feet, but if, if he is better with his feet, and if that's what the new manager wants, and he become, and if he thinks that his skill set is more suited to the style of play, and he's willing to sacrifice, okay, he's not going to be quite as good a shot stopper, but you know we can compensate for that with how we defend or whatever. Well, then if that works as a system, well then that's the system that that we have to go with, and yeah, that's the again that's the call as the manager has to make. Uh, seen Brush uh, made a comment there. Yep, thanks very much. Yeah, hundred percent. Like you say, yep, Vanisteroy is another good example. Who would have got rid of Vanisteroy? Ferguson did because he realised that Vanist- what Vanisteroy was given the team uh, was less than what he was taken away from the team by his attitude and whatever else. Um, and so he had to go. And that's 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 what has to, that's what successful managers do. It's what successful teams do. And we're not a successful team because we're not doing that. Uh, you know, that's again we're fo- we're letting. Um, individuals and egos and we're letting people enforce those egos on others around them and we're not there's nobody standing up and saying listen i'm taking control here the overall picture is more important than any one of you and if you're not going to play by the rules you're right and again that that's not what what managers are allowed to do at man united these days from what i can see and that's the problem so when that if and when that changes yeah i know things are bound to improve but yeah wait wait and hope that it does happen Another player who's tipped to succeed under Ten Hag if he comes in is Jimmy Garner, who's currently on loan at Nottingham Forest. He's been turning things up in the Championship. He's played well in the FA Cup against you know big Premier League sides like Liverpool, Arsenal, and Leicester. Um, and when you watch him, he looks like a proper you know midfielder, you no know, spraying the ball left and right, um, taking free kicks, penalties, and corners. He just looks like a a guy who's improving all the time uh you think he, he deserves a go in the in the premier league now because he's been he's been doing well in the championship i think he's ready to step up a level but i, I don't want to see him go on loan to another premier league club i, I want him to, to become part of the united squad next season uh, and that may be what might be what happens because there's so many players who are going to be who, who are going to be sold this summer and there's players who are out of contract and we're not going to be able to we're not going to sign half a dozen players i really don't see that happening um, I think we'll sign four at the most. So we will probably see people like Garner, you know, coming in and being part of the first team picture. And I'm all for that. Um, I think he's extremely talented. And, and Nigel, who does the show as well, is a big fan of Garner. And uh, I'm, I'm extremely excited about the prospect of him being in the United first team. 
No, I think that's fair. I mean, again, I haven't I haven't watched a massive amount of, of James Garner playing. You know, take your guys, uh, your word for it. You know about how um, how good he is. But again, I mean, in principle, yep, I totally agree with the idea of doing that. I mean, you know, if, if you know, we're talking a lot about you know the manager needs to be allowed to get rid of players and get players in. You know, but maybe some of the players that he would need to get in are actually already at the club. You know, maybe there's some young guys that he can bring in you know, being back from loans, you know, maybe Brant Williams could be one as an example, perhaps, you know, and, and James Garner, you know, you know, bring these players back from on loan, bring people in from the academy who who are more amenable to be molded into a new manager's way of doing things and are happy to take the instruction and do kind of do what they're told and, you know, fit into the roles that they're given as opposed to, you know, wanting to play their, their own way regardless of what the manager says. So, yeah, you know, when we're saying about, changing things up it doesn't necessarily mean you know buying a whole load of players it could just be bringing players in from the cold again and giving them a chance um you know so yeah i absolutely think that that, that would be a, that would be a good approach and it probably suits the money men at the club because it's cheaper as well you know so m- m- maybe that maybe that is the short-term way to go yeah and and, and donny van der beek will definitely get obvious. another chance if Aratinga comes in. Yeah, he's an obvious one, and, and I'd love to see him get a chance. Yeah, I think, I think most fans would, 100%. So what, what we've been told by the media is that Ten Hag wants to bring his regular assistant, Mitchell van der Gag, with him. Um, and there's been speculation that uh, a former United player, uh, most likely a Dutch player, it, it will join the coaching setup as well. And just just the thought of Yapstam um, being part of the coaching setup is really intriguing me and um, exciting me because I think you know Mitchell and the Ten Hag will be obviously the coaches and I I I'm, I know I'm being a bit I'm being a bit you know funny here but Yapstam could be like the enforcer he'd be someone that the I mean, just look at him. He's just—he's a terrifying bloke. I mean, um, and and no one can turn around and say to him, "Who are you?" Because he's a travel winner at Manchester United. Um, so he should have the respect of, of the the current players, and the fact that he's such an intimidating guy. Um, I mean, who's going to back chat to him? I would just and he, and he's already said publicly that he would love to get the offer uh, to become a coach at United. He he would never turn it down. So I think we really need to embrace the boldness this summer. Because, because uh, <laughs> Mitchell van der Gag and, and Riap Stam and Ayrton Hag, uh, they're all bold and, and I'm all for it. <laughs> there's, not a, there's not a her between the three of us, but who, but who cares? Who cares? <laughs> if they come in and do the job, I, I couldn't care less. Uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, 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 uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's just funny, like, but you're, you're, you're right. I mean, you, you know, who, who's going to argue with Jap Stam? You know, I certainly wouldn't argue with him. You know the guys. Uh, yeah, he's he, he's he's pretty intimidating looking. But yeah, but all, all joking aside, you know he he found a command that respect. Um, that uh, yeah, you know that he that he obviously deserves. Um, I will point out, of course, that Ollie was a travel winner as well. But you know, people have said he was maybe too nice a guy. Well, whatever. Who knows? Who knows what went on behind closed doors? But regardless, yeah, I mean, I would love to see for nostalgic reasons, if no other, if no other reason to have somebody like Yapstam on the coaching staff. And clearly, he's there on merit as well. He's not just there, you know, because of who he is. He's, you know, he obviously will deserve his place. And you know, Ten Hag must rate him. We must rate him as a good coach. Um, and and as for bringing his um his other guy Mitchell. Um, once again, you know, you have a look at some of the, the greatest coaches in history and they always say that, you know, you know, usually a great coach is, 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 has got a great second man with him. You know, Brian Clough and Peter Taylor being an obvious example. You know, Ferguson was lucky to have two or three of them over the years. You know, Brian Kidd and Carlos Queiroz and, you know, always had great coaches like Rennie Newlandstein and stuff. So, yeah, you know, a great manager will always recognise that he needs other, other great people around him. Uh, Mourinho's the same. He's always had, you know, Rui Costa and other people. Um, so yeah, I think it would be it would be great to see Ten Hag bringing some of his own people in, and again helping to do things his way. And yep, uh, with any luck, you know, getting getting things, uh, getting changes made, and getting us getting us playing well again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Van Persie would also excite people as well. There was talk of Van Nistelrooy, but I think he's taking the manager's role at PSV now, so that Looks won't be like happening. Looks like um, and and Rennie Mullenstein himself is Dutch, of course, so th- that that could be a possibility as well for him to come back in. Yeah, and I think if I remember correctly, um, I remember the story. I know that um, whenever it was, whenever um, Moyes took over, and I have a feeling that Moyes asked Mullenstein to stay, 
but Mullenstein himself decided to leave. I think if that was a story, if I remember correctly. Um, well, Moyes received a lot of criticism for getting rid of Fergie's coaching staff. I don't know exactly what happened there. I can't remember. Yeah, I but, can't remember uh, either. But long story short, Mullenstein was always um, known to be a, a top class, um, a top class coach. So somebody like that coming in and again, you know, having a wee, wee bit of Man United in their in their blood um, could, would never be a bad thing. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, probably qualified. Yep. So say, um, if Japstam and the likes are probably qualified, then you know it's a no brainer, really. Yeah, and um, Brush is saying that Vidic has done all his coaching badges and he's undertaken a master's degree for footballers. So, okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, just yep. like Yapstam, he's equally as intimidating and another uh, legendary centre back for United. So, yeah, yep. 100%. Absolutely. Yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah, again, you know, you know, the ideal for me is you got the guys who are top level, got the got the qualifications, deserve the post, and they've got a little bit of my United in their blood, and the fans love to see them. That's just the the icing on the cake. Um, maybe, so yeah, maybe this is would be a, a, a ten hag idea to have someone who knows the club, who's been successful at the club, alongside him. Um, he might want something like that you know, to help him out because, um, and so and someone who the the players can who will respect because of his achievements on the club but maybe that it might not might not necessarily be something that united are insisting on it might be something that ten hag wants uh, alongside him you know a big name who's been successful at united uh part of his as part of his coaching setup because if things if there's a few bad results and things aren't going well you know the players could turn around and say who's ten hag what has he done only he's, he's only won like the dutch league and the dutch cup but if you've got someone alongside him who's won the treble at united then that they know that that makes a difference. Absolutely, yeah, no, to, totally, totally agree. Yeah, um, yeah, hundred percent. Okay. Okay, I think I'm going to wrap it up there. Uh, hopefully, the next time we're on, um, Ten Hag has been appointed, um, and we can start to look forward to the, f- the future with optimism. Because right now, there's not much optimism around. So, if everyone give us a wee like on the video, sc- subscribe to the channel, and, and comment your thoughts down below, and I'll uh, see you again next week, Chris. Yep. Talk to you soon, Kyle. Take care. Hopefully for a better week next week. Good man. See ya. Cheers.